0: Today we're going to be hunting down rare and exotic cryptic creatures from all over the world. Welcome back to The Swamp my friends and welcome if you're new. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true encounters with cryptic creatures from all around the world sent in by viewers just like you. Joining me today is my friend Zach Baby TV. If you're a fan of dogman encounters and stuff like that, definitely go check out his channel. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below i'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp it's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis before we jump right into these stories though swamp dwellers i just have to let you know about the app that i've been working with for a couple of months now known as chilling chilling is the new home of horror it allows you to do things you just can't do on youtube With hundreds of amazing stories that are sorted into playlists, or you can create your own playlist if you want, we give you so much flexibility to listen the way you want. This includes the chilling exclusive feature, the Ambient Sound Menu. You can change the background noise of the story that will fit your mood at will. It's an absolute game-changer, and of course, this is offered completely and totally ad-free. That's right, over 700 stories, hundreds of hours of content, absolutely free from monsters, gore, paranormal, thrillers, true stories, and everything in between, it's all here. Recently, Chilling added the ability to download for offline listening. Ambiances are now available by themselves, there's a sleep timer, the ability to minimize the app and darken the screen, and of course, the ability to see what stories you've already listened to. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today. It's only $2.99 a month after that also one last thing currently chilling is giving away a ps5 bundle they're giving away a console the disc version the ghost of Tsushima director's cut madden nfl 22 nba 2k 22 and one year of playstation plus or you could choose a 500 dollars amazon gift card all you have to do is download and start your free trial leave a review on the app or google play store and complete the brief entry form you can find the link to do so in the description hey swamp dweller my family has had an insane number of experiences with the supernatural we are a family of women with psychic abilities and men that have had just some crazy unexplainable occurrences today i wanted to share a story with you and your followers something that did not happen to me but to my uncle he doesn't use the internet a whole lot and didn't even know how to get his story out there so i'm submitting it on his behalf without further ado This story takes place in Canada, specifically the outskirts of Thunder Bay, in the year of 2003. My uncle has always been what most would call a drifter. He was seldom in one spot for too long and would get around by hitchhiking. Christmas of 2002 leading into January 2003, my uncle had traveled from Regina to Ontario to spend the holidays with our family. We were all located in Ontario at the time. As the holiday seasons had passed, he made his way back to Regina in his most common fashion, hitchhiking. He had an uneventful trip until he made it to Thunder Bay. He was dropped off by a transport trucker on a desolate highway outside of Thunder Bay, as that was as far as the trucker could take him. He had wandered further and further down the highway with rarely any passing vehicles, none willing to stop and give him a ride. It was between 2 and 3 a.m. at this point and he was absolutely freezing and started to slow his pace and take many breaks along his walk. He ended up standing in one spot for some time in an attempt to warm himself and conserve energy. It was under a streetlight, and his spot was well lit. Suddenly, he began to hear what sounded like branches snapping behind him in the tree line, about a half a football field length away. He chalked it up to a deer or a moose as the deep Canadian forest is full of wildlife that are quite active at night. He then heard what sounded like a groaning sound, muffled and almost sounding like a human, but not quite. He decided to continue walking and would speed his pace up in between streetlights because he just had this eerie feeling. Something was off, and he felt this pit in his stomach like something was eating away at him. He could hear whatever it was in the tree line following him as he moved. It seemed to mimic him almost, but it seemed to remain in the tree line. Branches, cracked and in between cracks he could hear grunts and groans. Then it hit him, the grotesque smell of raw meat that had been baking in the sun mixed with what smelled like garbage. He could see a moving figure that appeared to be white in color with patchy fur. He had never been so afraid in his life. With no way to call for help and the isolating feeling brought on by the realization that not a single vehicle had passed in hours, he felt helpless and feared for his life quite frankly he tried to keep moving. Faster and faster, the creature kept this pace, yet still remained in the tree line, just out of sight, almost as if it was playing with him. He stopped as he approached the final streetlight on this stretch of highway, and felt the most fear he has ever felt in his life. The streetlight's dim light was the only sense of safety he was able to grasp, and now it was gone. He turned to face the tree line and noticed that he couldn't see or hear anything, and he had thought the creature had given up on him, He almost sighed a breath of relief, and he heard a branch snap once more, almost directly in front of him. What came next has stuck with him. A shriek so loud and shrill that it made his entire body freeze up, rendering him in a state of shock paralysis. Thankfully, headlights approached and came to a halt beside him. He hadn't even the capacity to turn and try to catch a ride. He was still paralyzed with fear. It was a lovely man in a large black jeep. The gentleman screamed at my uncle to get in the vehicle, and he did not protest and jumped right in. Naturally, not his first instinct as he prefers to get a feel for the person stopping to pick him up, but the man had a tone of urgency and fear, and my uncle did not want to be a meal for whatever that creature was. As soon as my uncle jumped into the jeep, the man sped off and then parked about 20 minutes up the road and explained to my uncle what he had saw when he was approaching him on the highway. My uncle was so grateful that the man had seen what he did. Based upon the description, my uncle's in-depth research of cryptids following this experience, we all believe what my uncle saw was probably a wendigo or something of that nature.
1: The thing about this story is I had actually forgotten about it for a long time until my mom brought it up one day when we were talking about taking a family vacation to the lake of the Ozarks sometime. She pretty much just said, Speaking of the Ozarks, do you remember when blank happened? The memory hit me like a truck, and I was like, Well, I do now. When I was about nine years old, me and my mom spent a lot of time at her then-boyfriend's lake house in the lake of the Ozarks. I can't say exactly where we were, but it was definitely in the Missouri region. If I had the guess, probably the Oseg Beach area. We were living in Lee's Summit, Missouri at the time, and I know that the drive to the lake house was about two hours. The lake sat off the edge of a winding gravel road that wasn't too heavily traveled, and on one side of the road was a tree line of the woods. During the day, I wasn't scared of the woods, except for the times that I ran across copperheads or huge spiders. But at night, forget it. I hated nighttime when we were at the lake. The Ozarks, at least where we were, it was very thick with forest, so it would get wicked dark at night. I don't even like stepping out of the front porch because the woods were just right there. It felt like the woods were alive, just staring me down. What didn't help my fear were all the stories my mom's boyfriend and his family told us about weird creatures and Bigfoot sightings in that particular area. Being a kid, I believed in everything, and hearing grown adults give cadence to stories they had heard and tell their own personal accounts of seeing Bigfoot or something else definitely made me buy into the possibility that unusual creatures lurked in the Ozarks. My mom's boyfriend, Arthur, was an avid fisherman, and one of our favorite things to do was to get in the speedboat at night and cruise over to the cove where he set up the fishing lines and check to see if any fish were on them. I loved being on the boat at night because the whole experience was just great. The air was always nice and cool, and you could see the moon and the stars above as well. Arthur would play music on the radio, and the water was calm unlike during the day. But again, I did not like the woods. So when we would get to the cove, I'd literally bury my face into my mom's arm and just not even look anywhere until we were back on the main channel of the lake. The best way I could describe the cove is like a cul-de-sac, just an area of lake surrounded by a tree line, which was insanely dark at night. Coasting into that cove felt like being swallowed by the woods. It was total darkness. As much as I hated that part of our nightly boat rides, there was no way I was going to stay home alone either. I was pretty much a chicken through and through. Then came the night everything changed. We had been to the same cove multiple times, day and night, never had any trouble with other lake goers, fishermen, or wildlife. But this night was different. I remember Arthur switching the boat engine off as we neared the cove just enough so that we could let the boat coast towards the tree line. Normally, a spot like this in the Ozarks is hollering with bullfrogs, bugs, etc. But that is one of the first things that made me and my mom feel like something was off. It was dead quiet. We couldn't hear anything. I remember my mom actually gesturing at me to come sit closer to her, and I gladly obliged. My mom said to Arthur, Wow, it's pretty quiet, right? Arthur didn't seem bothered by the weird silence at all. He got out his big flashlight and said something like, Yeah, a little. He was all about checking to see if any catfish were on his lines, so he wasn't really paying much attention to anything else this is probably important to mention. Arthur was no Clint Eastwood by any means, but he also didn't scare easily. He was a hunter, fisherman, a man's man. He was pretty tough and could handle himself. He had spent so much time in the Ozarks, there wasn't much that he hadn't encountered. But that night was the first time I ever seen fear in a grown man's eyes. We weren't quite where we needed to be at the tree line. The boat was still drifting towards the spot where the lines were, and then we all heard a low, deep growl. Me and my mom froze. Arthur paused for a second and started shining his flashlight around, looking for what might have made that growl. I was clinging to my mom, and she was holding me pretty tightly too. I remember my whole body just tingling with fear and adrenaline as we watched Arthur's light go back and forth on the trees, but we didn't see anything. My mom said really soft, Art, what the hell was that? Immediately, after my mom said that, the loudest, absolutely most chilling roar blasted out of nowhere. It's given me the chills just remembering it right now. Arthur dropped a flashlight, my mom still holding on to me, dropped us down to the floor of the boat and started yelling, Art, go! Start the boat! Just go! I remember craning my head up and seeing Arthur grabbing onto the steering wheel, but he didn't start the boat. He was literally frozen, just staring at the trees. Whatever was in the trees was pissed that we were there. I remember hearing really loud splashes near the boat, and it turns out whatever the thing was was throwing big rocks at us, all the while it was still bellowing. I honestly don't know what to compare the roaring to. It wasn't a bear, a big cat, and it definitely wasn't a wolf. I remember hearing the loud bang of a rock hitting the boat and my mom screaming, Arthur, get us out of here. The part, I'll never forget, is seeing whatever was roaring at us from behind the trees shaking the trees like they were made of rubber. At first, it sounded like something was pounding and hitting the trees, then the top of the trees were violently being whipped around side to side. These were not frail or dead trees. These were big, healthy trees that I don't think should have been able to be shaken like that. What was even scarier was it seemed like whatever was there started running parallel to the tree line, going back and forth slamming and shaking the trees. It looked really similar to the scene of the Lost World Jurassic Park, when two of the characters are up in the protective tree lift, watching the treetops shake and tumble as the T-Rexes pass through the jungle. The sound of the roaring in trees was almost deafening, I really thought we were possibly going to die. That's when my mom all but forced me down flat on the floor and laid herself over me, sort of shielding me. She later told me that she felt the same way I did, that seeing those trees flailing like that did not look right, and that whatever was doing it was big and damn strong. She said it was like her body sensed true danger and told her to protect your child. As I'm laying on the floor, I'm hearing the creature frantically roaring, the tree shaking, and my mom yelling hysterically. I remember almost feeling numb, like the fear had completely numbed my body. Then I remembered feeling the strong vibration of the engine through the floor, and I could feel the boat turning. I remember hearing the trees suddenly stop shaking, and the angry roaring got immediately louder, like the creature came down closer to the tree line turns out, that's exactly what happened. My mom confirmed it for me later on, which explains why I heard her scream. Arthur, go! Mom said. Neither she nor Arthur got a good look at whatever that thing was, except for the very last second as the boat sped away from the tree line. They both saw a pair of shiny yellow eyes reflecting in the dark. I actually don't remember the boat ride back to the lake house. The very next thing I remember is sitting on the couch, practically in my mom's lap, while Arthur was pacing around on the phone with one of his friends. I was so freaked out by what had happened, I only remember pieces of what my mom and Arthur were saying. Arthur was saying to his friend, In my cove, something evil is freaking out there. I distinctly remember seeing him go upstairs then come back down with his shotgun and my mom saying, "'Don't you dare go back there! I swear to God, Arthur!' I remember looking at his face. His eyes looked wet, like he had been trying not to cry. And the way he was talking to his friend, he was frantic. It was really strange to see him like that. After that, I don't remember anything else, really. My mom told me Arthur actually rounded up some of his friends, told them to bring their firearms, and went back to the cove with the intent to kill whatever was threatening us. She said that he never did see or hear anything. They stayed for a good while waiting for it to show, but it never did. I think I forgot about this event because my brain made me forget. When my mom jogged my memory, it all came flooding back. It felt like reliving the past trauma. Me and my mom have speculated so many times about what it may have been, and I've talked about it with my husband and friends, too. My mother believes to her core it was a Bigfoot. My husband just thinks it's a really big, really territorial bear, and I still haven't made up my mind. From the research I've done before, bears aren't common in the Ozarks and I can't imagine a bear picking up rocks and throwing them. I have watched dozens of Bigfoot documentaries, but I don't know if I believe in Bigfoot as an adult. Before this incident, I was very open to the possibility of such creatures existing, but even after such a traumatic experience, I can't draw to a conclusion. I definitely believe that it was not a native Ozark animal, just the sheer power of its roar, and the ability to manipulate trees like that makes it difficult to imagine a bear or mountain lion doing such things. Whatever it was, I don't care to go back and find out.
0: When I was in middle school, My family moved into my mom's childhood home to take care of my grandfather. This property is in the woods near Lake Michigan, and everyone refers to it as the valley. I grew up hearing all of my aunts, uncles, and cousins share scary stories about growing up in the valley. Once my family moved in, we quickly learned why the valley truly is the most evil place we've ever been. At the time, my mom was working third shift while my dad ran his own business out of our garage. One night, I really needed to talk to my dad, but he was not in the house. Knowing he was likely working in the garage, I popped my head outside to check. Across the yard, I saw all the lights were on in the garage as well as what sounded like the radio blaring. Entirely convinced my dad was in the garage, I decided to leave the safety of the house. I focused on the welcoming light of the garage and began sprinting across the hundred or so feet of pitch darkness. As I entered the light of the garage a sense of relief washed over me as I called out to my dad. The relief proved to be short-lived as I instantly realized something was very, very wrong. Now, standing in a deafening silence, I didn't see my dad anywhere. I know I heard something that sounded like a radio just moments ago, but now all I could hear was my panicked breathing. I would not have made the terrifying trip over here if I had not heard that convincing sound. Before my heart had the chance to start beating again, I took off back towards the house. What previously took maybe 30 seconds, I now covered in 10, flat. I was absolutely terrified, so I decided it was probably best to solely focus on the door and getting my buns back inside. As I burst through the door, I found my dad in the living room, looking as if he had been there for hours. Like so many horrifying experiences at that house, I tried not to think too much about it and move on, It wasn't until we had moved out a few years later that I would be reminded of this experience. Like I previously mentioned, my family often tells their scary stories of the valley, and this is what we found ourselves doing one night. As it became my brother's turn to tell a story, it didn't take long for it to sound very familiar. My brother described the same instance of needing to talk to our father. He saw the lights on and heard the radio blaring in the garage and was convinced he'd find our dad working out there. He ran through the darkness only to discover exactly what I did. Nothing. No sounds at the radio and no dad. It was the next bit that had my blood turning to ice, though. While I tried to convince myself that it was just, you know, me being weird and maybe just thinking I heard something, I tried not to scare myself any further and focus solely on the door. My brother did not. As he turned himself back towards the house, he made the mistake of scanning his surroundings to his absolute terror. He saw a very distinct form on the top of the roof. What appeared to be the silhouette of some sort of creature stood stock still right above the door he needed to use to get inside. The creature was so dark it contrasted against the surrounding woods. I have no idea how he summoned the courage, but my brother ran like a bat out of hell back to the house and through the door. Once hearing his version of events, I couldn't help but wonder if I had just looked up, would I have seen this exact same thing, and would I have discovered? that I was not alone either.
1: I'll never forget the day I rolled down my parents' dusty gravel driveway, beat-up truck packed to the gills, and heading towards my new home, my new life. My parents stood on the porch and watched me go, The cows in the pasture also watched lazily as I passed. I would dearly miss my green pastures, the beautiful pond, and the animals, but I will also never forget what I encountered in my first new home, or rather, what lay outside of my first new home. I had purchased a home, or rather a camp, that my recently deceased great-uncle had owned for many years though it had not been inhabited for just under a decade, besides the occasional afternoon trip there to clean the place up. My great-aunt was desperate to keep it in the family, and could not tell me enough good things about it. How it had a beautiful lake a few miles off, plenty of interesting wildlife and was incredibly peaceful, perfect for a young guy starting out, she said. Really? It was perfect because it cost me next to nothing, as it was a piece of my great-uncle that she was not ready to lose forever. She sent me an old picture of the outside, so old in fact, that my youngest uncle was pictured playing in the dirt in front of the screen door with some old truck toys. Through the yellowed crinkly picture, I could make out a small, very square building with a W carved above the door. The pine box, my uncles called it. It was a two-hour trip from the farm, and I recall in the last hour or so I hardly saw any cars on the highway, though it didn't bother me as much at the time as I was traveling on the far northern section of the state, driving away from my overbearing parents in the flat farm lands into the beautiful pine forests and soaring mountains. I'll never forget the feeling of freedom and self-reliance in that moment. As the sun began to set, I finally turned off the highway, carefully navigating the gravel and then dirt road that wound through the seemingly unending dim forest, squinting at my grandma's little scribbles and ancient yellowed map that she had given me before leaving. I couldn't see the setting sun through the thick canopy of trees, but as every minute passed my anxiety grew as the forest darkened around my truck, swallowing me up. My headlights, which were dim anyways, illuminated only the dirt road a couple of feet in front of me and nothing else. My boarder, collie, Lexi, whined in her crate in the back seat. Even she, the dog that always ran headfirst towards charging cows and kicking horses, felt uneasy. I didn't like that. Just as I was about to give up hope and pull over for the evening, as I was quite exhausted. I made one last push. Fifteen more minutes of driving, I promised myself. If I didn't find it by then, I would sleep in the truck. You couldn't imagine how relieved I felt when my headlights swept across the dusty glass windows of the place. My new home. Thinking back on it, what an eerie sight. That little pine-green shack, crowded by trees. The W. Our last initial, etched above the doorway, told me I was at the right home. I made the quick but clumsy work of unlocking the front door, turning on the little LED lantern that I had brought, and throwing my two duffel bags through the door, the rich scent of pine and dirt filling my lungs. My great-aunt, though she personally hadn't stayed in the home in many years, informed me that the place was bare and in need of some homey touches no shit. The only furniture to speak of was an old stuffed floral print couch that I imagined must have been from at least the 80s, covered in a thick layer of grey dust, just below the massive picture window that looked out into the inky darkness. I found that the two small bedrooms each had bed frames with no mattresses. All rooms were bare of curtains, and there was no bathroom. She had failed to inform me of that detail. Though it would do for the night, tomorrow I could head to the nearest hardware store and start making this place a home. I dusted off the small sofa the best that I could before I settled down for the night. I was exhausted, the kind of tired that seeps into your muscles and bones, begging for you to rest. The last thing that I remember is watching Lexi curl up by my feet at the edge of the sofa before I drifted off peacefully. I was awoken by an awful, nasty growl and felt weight on my torso and chest as I jerked awake, gasping wildly. In the dim light of the lamp in the far corner I saw Lexi, standing on top of me, ears flat to her skull, snarling viciously at the massive window, and for a moment, my sleepy eyes caught what they thought was the slightly shifting of shadows outside, though I'm sure it was simply my mind playing tricks. I was quick to hush the dog, cradling her against my chest as she eventually began to settle down after about ten minutes or so. That was when I noticed how she was shaking badly, eyes still fixed on the window, never moving away. She stayed like that as the darkness tuned slowly into grey, early morning light. Even then she still seemed frightened, refusing to leave my side as I moved more items inside from the truck her hair still standing slightly on end. I figured she smelled some wildlife that she wasn't used to, or she had been frightened by her own reflection. There was nothing to be afraid of so far out there, how could there be? I helped myself to a nutritious breakfast of protein bars and a Gatorade that I had brought with me for the journey. My first mission of the day was to find the lake, that according to the map was a five-mile hike to my north. Now, when I say that this forest was odd, you must understand that I have lived ruly my entire life and have been deep woods camping and trekking for years. I have never encountered a forest, especially one so remote, with such lack of life. Yes, the foliage grew in access. Multiple species of healthy trees, ferns, a few wild blueberry bushes, As I walked to the lake I noticed the lack of birdsong, not a single bird was in my range of hearing. I noticed not a single track of any sort of animal as I found the sandy beach of a small but perfectly placid lake. The shore should have been covered by the footprints of raccoons, deer, mice, foxes. Nothing was drinking out of the lake, or at least not this shore of it. This puzzled me to no end, though I continued on with my day. Planning to ask any locals I met about the lack of wildlife. Perhaps there was an excessive hunting in this area at one point. After driving up the highway for about a half an hour and finding quite literally nothing, I returned south, finding a small gas convenience store. It was old, crummy, and run down, but I was still happy to see it. The owner, a thin, very gray man who sat behind the low counter, was quick to smile at me behind his beard. I exchanged a smile and quickly greeted, scoping through the store and filling my arms with most non-perishable junk food that would tide me over at camp. As I stacked them up on the counter, he implored me what I was doing in the area, and me being young, dumb, and prideful puffed out my chest and informed him I was a new homeowner. He quickly congratulated me on my house, saying I must be coming from the Thorn Village, the closest residential area. I shook my head and corrected the man, telling him the name of the lake that the house, well, shack was on. His smile quickly fell from his lips and he squinted up at me with his bloodshot blue eyes. You serious, son? I informed him that I was absolutely serious, to which he shook his head quickly, almost frantically. There's strange things that go on in those woods, son. I don't know what exactly but you best get your things and go beat the living hell out of whoever sold it to you. My... my friend's son went missing in that area. Only 20 years old. Went on a hiking trip. The sheriff found his truck with one of the windows broken through. Lots of blood. Never found Daniel. At this point, he began to shake, tears welling up in his old eyes. I fought the urge to roll my eyes and said nothing pushing my goods further towards him as he slowly and shakily checked me out. He seemed so genuine. He couldn't just be trying to scare me, could he? By the time I had gotten back to the shack, I had calmed myself down considerably. Daniel could have fallen and broken his leg somewhere and was never found. Perhaps he scumbled upon hypothermia, maybe drowned in one of the numerous lakes in the area, or he was just a story and didn't exist at all. I did everything I could to rationalize what had happened to the young man and assured myself that it couldn't possibly happen to me, forgetting the violent details of the disappearance that didn't suit me. I was a strong, resourceful person. I would be fine. No boogeyman lived in any force that I have ever been to before. Though now, looking back years later, I have come to the conclusion of how wrong I was. I didn't look at the shack as I pulled up, my eyes on the shifter as pushed open the truck door open and slid out. Once I did look up I was frozen stiff, my mouth agape and eyes wide. The front door of the shack, which I had trouble opening and closing due to rusty hinges, was ripped off of the top hinge and thrown open against the exterior of the house, a puddle of dark liquid that seeped into the wood of the front porch. I began to shake uncontrollably. Primal parts of my mind told me to run back to the truck and leave immediately. I took a stutter step backwards, and then remembered that Lexi had been inside the shack when I went searching for gas and food. My beloved dog, my best friend of five years. No way in hell I was leaving this place without her. I took a deep breath, removing the all-too-small pocket knife from my jeans, and charged headfirst inside the shack. Two of the cupboard doors were ripped clean off and laying on the other side of the room, the old cast-iron cookware laying in a pile on the rug, which was stained with what seemed to be mud, little bits of grass, and something else. The couch cushions were absolutely torn to shreds, the old-fashioned stuffing thrown about. I checked the back bedrooms and found nothing. No one was here. Neither was Lexi. In a panic, I began to try and wrap my mind around what had happened. Some crazy strong looter had made his way into the shack, destroying my things and either let out or took the dog. But why? I couldn't imagine, I was pissed. I sprinted out the front, my boots slipping on the wet wood and I fell to my knees on the dirt. I laid there panting and shaking like a leaf, fighting to get my breath back. My next move was to force myself to my feet. My jeans ripped around the knees and I was bleeding a bit, going around to the back of my truck to the toolbox and removing the axe that I had purchased from Lowe's just a few days before. I had never felt the sensation of seeing red before this, and I never have again. I had every intention to defend myself from whoever the hell had ransacked my home and taken my dog. I spent the next hour or so running frantically through the woods, stopping to pant and collect some breath before running again, jumping at each crack, leaf and twig, occasionally yelling for Lexi. Over time's taunting, in hysterics, I'll admit, whoever had caused the damage of my home, the only evidence I found once I calmed a bit was a disturbance in the dirt, though it was packed too hard to make out what kind of prints laid there. It almost looked as if something massive was dragging its feet. I returned to the shack and I am not ashamed to say that I began to cry as I sat in my truck bed, axe in hand. If you have ever felt truly stranded, terrified without any hope, you know how I felt at that moment and the hours that followed. As the night drew in and my surroundings grew blacker, my shaking only got worse, to the point I could call them convulsions. I felt filled with fear as I searched the darkness with wide eyes. Now begins the worst moments of my life. It started with a bang that jolted me to my feet, ax held in a death grip between my two hands. Something heavy and solid had bounced off the body of the truck, though I could not see exactly what it was in the dim. The next projectile landed in the truck bed, a few feet from me, a near miss a rock about the size of a phone book, too heavy for me to even throw if my life depended on it. Just as I was steadying myself from the impact of the last rock came the most god-awful demonic yell I have ever heard in my life. It shook me to the core, my axe dropping with a clatter to the truck bed. I am ashamed to say my bladder let go from that sheer fear. Whatever it was, was in the tree line about twenty feet to my left. A horrible, rotting scent wafted through the air, like I was standing directly over an old corpse. In the last ditch of effort to save my own life from whatever monster or unnatural creature it was, I began to scream back curses at it as loud as I could, damning it, telling it to screw off or I would kill it. Then there was silence for a moment, before I could see a massive shape moving towards me in the darkness. Accompanied by the snap of pine limbs that I knew for a fact were at least seven feet off the ground. For perspective, I am just under a six-foot-tall man, standing on top of a truck bed, and it still looked huge. The scent alone was enough to knock someone over. I let out a shriek and began to desperately kick at the back windows of my truck in an effort to escape. After three kicks with a steel-toed boot, the glass gave in, and I dove through wiggling in through the back seat and climbing blindly into the front, not feeling any of the glass that had wedged itself into my skin. With amazing speed that you would only ever have when your fear your life is at risk, I found the keys that I had left in the ignition and threw the truck into drive. After a moment of spinning out of the dirt, the truck surged forward and I began out of the dirt driveway, flying over bumps and potholes like a madman. I was free. For a moment. I only saw him, or it, for a second as it stepped out in front of the speeding truck. Long, brown, shaggy hair that reminded me today of a Spanish moss. At least seven feet tall, and the most horrific yellow eyes that I had ever seen. Eyes that will plague my memory for as long as I live. The truck hid in full force directly into its torso. I could only assume that it bounced backwards after the impact as my face was smashed off the airbag. The trunk hood crumpled up like tissue paper, the windshield cracking. I lost consciousness for I'm not sure how long, as I woke to paramedics wheeling me on a gurney. I was found by a sheriff who had been asked to give me a welfare check, I could only assume by the store owner. I'd hit a large bull moose during the night, they told me, by the intense damage to the truck and the brown hair and blood amongst the wreckage. Could have only been a moose, they said. I wasn't the bravest man in the situation, not at all, I am ashamed of it, even years later. I never returned to the cabin, which I have since let go into foreclosure and fall into the bank's hands even though I returned to the general area and inquired at vet offices and animal control, inquiring about my border collie. I just hope that she escaped it. Though from the evidence on the front porch, I have my doubts. Just reciting this story makes me feel queasy. I'm glad I didn't have to stay there any longer, as I now have a wonderful wife and two boys who would never have existed if I had. I tried my best to accurately reaccount what had happened to me without sharing locations as I never want anyone to find this location and disturb whatever lies there like I did years ago.
0: Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, definitely be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's an encounter with a cryptid or something else, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would be honored to share your story on the show. Much love and appreciation to my friend Zach Baby TV, who shared two stories today. They were extra long and he really killed it. So please be sure to check out his channel if you're a fan of cryptid encounters and such like that. He does great videos nearly on a daily basis just like we do over here. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but would still like to download your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories and listen to them wherever you go, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the swamp outside of all of that, maybe check out the merch store. We have t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see what story was your favorite in the comments down below, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.